Can we stand? And since it is the Lord that is gathering us, we're going to have him give us the first word. I want to read to you out of Psalm 8, uh, verses 1 to 5, and it will be on the screen. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. I love this part of this verse. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. And here's the part I love. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And here's our response in verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Good morning. It's good seeing all of you guys as you make your way back to your seat. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Today we're going to do something a little different. Um, As you've noticed, there's no sermon notes on the back because there's not going to be a sermon. And what really we're going to do is we believe that when the Lord gathers us for corporate worship, uh, a main element of that gathering is the Word of God. And so not only do we sing it, we read it, and we also pray through it. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray through the Word. Uh, The Puritans used to say that the Psalms is like the medicine cabinet to the Christian. For what it does, it treats every ailment that a Christian could possibly face. And so when you find yourself discouraged in life, where do you go? You go to the Psalms where there's a prayer where someone is discouraged, uh, where, where, where David even says, my soul, why are you so weary? Like, look to the Lord, trust in the Lord. When you find yourself overwhelmed and and, and entangled by sin and crushed by it, what do you do? You go to the Psalms where you're reminded of who God is and the promises that he has made that he's going to deliver you as you look to Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look through some of these Psalms and spend time, some time uh, talking about them a little bit, but also praying through it. So if you have your Bibles, I would really love for you uh, to turn to Psalm 99. That is the very first Psalm we're going to spend time in. And we're going to read it in chunks, and then we're going to uh, uh, take some time to, to pray this, uh, this chunk of Psalm um, in our lives. Psalm 99, verse 1. It says this. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the people. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. As you just sit and look at this verse, just think about what it means that the Lord reigns. Like, like what does it mean? It means that He is not some far-off, distant God that is passive, but rather He is an active God that is sovereign in control of everything. So why don't you just take some time right now, just close your eyes if you want to, and just 
praise the Lord and just thank the Lord that He reigns. That everything that happens in your life comes from God because He reigns in it and through it and over it. And think about verse 1. Not only does the Lord reign, but He is enthroned. He is sitting on His throne and He's surrounded by these majestic, angelic beings. And as a result of it, He is highly exalted above all the people. This is our God. And what is really interesting in verses 1, 2, and 3, if God is reigning, if God is enthroned, if God is great, what's our response? Look at verse 1. What is our response to this holy God? The people tremble. The people, verse 3, praises His great and awe-inspiring name in the earth quakes. And so when's the last time you sat or stood in the presence of the Lord and trembled before a holy, majestic God? And so in our time of prayer, why don't you ask the Lord to to stir your heart to, to create in you this awe and trembling in His presence. Ask for that right now. The last part of verse 3 says, He is holy. And that, that word holiness means He is distinct. He is separate. And, and so we know how is He distinct. He is obviously distinct from His creation because He is the Creator. We are creation. But He's also distinct uh, because of His power. Just when he displays his power, what does the earth do? The earth quakes. The people tremble. And he's also distinct as he displays his superior morality. Now, it's easy for us to look at verse 1, 2, and 3, and we're, we're thinking, man, this seems like a cruel God. This seems like a harsh God where everybody is running from him, where they trembling and hiding. But look at verse 4. The people do not tremble and run away from him because this is not a harsh God. This is not a cruel God. But look at verse 4. No, this is a God. Verse 4, it says, The mighty king loves what? He loves justice. You have established fairness. And in some of your translations says equality. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Why don't you just take some time right now to praise the Lord that He loves justice, that He brings about equality, and in His rule, He rules with justice and righteousness. Praise the Lord for that right now.
And in verse 5, what is our response to this king, this mighty king that loves justice, that rules in justice and righteousness? It says, look at verse 5, it says, Exalt the Lord our God, bow and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. And so in your own words right now, just exalt him, bless his name, praise his name. And so because the Lord is holy, because he is sitting enthroned, he is greatly exalted. He is distinct. And when we are in his presence, we tremble. When we are in his presence, the earth quakes. In a sense, what we do need is we can't just enter into the presence of this God without a mediator. We need somebody to intercede on our behalf. We need somebody to mediate on our behalf. And, and, so, and so the psalmist is reflecting on the great mediators that have existed. Look at verse 6. It says this, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was also among them, those calling on his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. In other words, what, what the psalmist is doing, he's, he's reflecting on this holy God that we need somebody to, to mediate between us and God because God is too great to deal with. And so he's thinking about all these great mediators in the past. Remember Moses. Remember Aaron. Moses received the law. Moses has spent so much time with the Lord that his face shined with the radiance of God. Aaron was the very first great high priest that interceded on behalf of the people of God and God. And will you remember Samuel who led a nation when there was no leader? And he interceded and he prayed. And what did the Lord do? The Lord actually responded to them. The Lord actually spoke to them as they led the people. And the psalmist is thinking, what a wonderful mediator we have. But there is one problem. What's the problem? Look at verse 8. You answered them and you were forgiving to them. However... But you are an avenger of their sinful actions. Which means they could not be a perfect mediator because of their sin. And because God is such a holy God, He had to deal with their sin. He had to avenge of their sin. 
And really what the psalmist does is he stirs in his heart and he stirs in the reader's heart is we need a mediator who is sinless. We need a perfect mediator who can somehow intercede between us and God that will be perfect. And we know who that mediator is. His name is Jesus. For he is a holy, righteous perfect mediator and so why don't you take right time right now in this psalm just praise the lord for the perfect mediator we have in jesus christ for his holiness and his righteousness And then in verse 9, our response to this God is exalt the Lord our God, bow and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Again, just take some time to praise him. Exalt his name, tell him what he means to you. Our Heavenly Father, you reign. You are in control of everything and everyone. You are great and exalted above everything. You are enthroned and you are holy. And what are we that we can even be close to your presence? For when we see you, the only response we can have is tremble and fear. For when you speak, the earth quakes, thunder roars, and lightning flashes. And because you are so holy, Lord, we needed someone that could come and mediate between us and you, someone who can come and intercede on our behalf, someone who can come and make a way so that we can be in your presence and not be destroyed by you, for you are a holy, consuming fire. And nothing impure and perfect can be in your presence. And Lord, as we look back at all of the mediators we've had throughout the history of humanity, all of them have fallen woefully short, except one man who is not only fully man, but also fully God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are our perfect mediator. I thank you that because of your holiness and your righteousness that you have imputed upon us that we may enter into your presence. And Lord, our only response to you is to exalt your name, 
and bless your name. And Lord, I, I pray that that reality of who you are, of what we've read in Psalm 99, that it will become real to us as we open your word and we behold you in all of your glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to, to Psalm 32. And so in Psalm 99, we've just seen how the Lord reigns, how He's holy, how He's perfect. And His holiness means He is distinct. He is separate from His creatures because He is the Creator. We are creation. And what makes Him holy is because of His power, because of His perfect morality. And just when we think, okay, this is a cruel, harsh God, we find out that he loves justice, he administers equality, and when he rules, he rules and reigns in righteousness and justice. And all the mediators that have gone before us, some of them were great, but what was one of the problems? They all somehow fell short. They have sinned. And we learn that what, how does the Lord deal with our sin? He is an avenger of it. In other words, the Lord despises and hates sin. He cannot just allow sin and just, just be there and he just look the other way. He has to deal with it because it is an assault against God. And now we turn to Psalm 32 that deals with the reality of sin. And this is what the, the psalmist says. He says in verse 1, How joyful is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. So, so in a sense, the, the psalmist is almost looking at it and saying, you know what? How great would it be that God does not avenge us for our sin? How great would it be if he just would forgive us? Even how great would it be if we never even sinned? That there's no deceit in us. And so it's almost in a sense he's kind of like thinking, how awesome would it be if there was no reality of sin? And then as he's done daydreaming, he goes to verse 3. Because here's the reality of humanity. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin here's the reality of what sin does sin crushes us there are consequences to our sin 
The psalmist says it, it drains us like the summer heat. The guilt of it immobilizes us. And so how do we deal with sin that crushes us? How do we deal with sin that drains us, that immobilizes us? The psalmist has already reflected on a time where there would be no sin and how awesome it would be. But in verse 3, he just reflects on the reality. This is not where we are. But then he gets to verse 5. How do you deal with sin that crushes you? How do you deal with sin that drains you? How do you deal with the guilt that immobilizes you? Look at verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. In other words, I confessed it. And so let's take some time right now as we think and meditate upon our sins against the Lord. For some of that sin, that guilt is crushing you, it's draining you, it's immobilizing you. Why don't you use some time right now and just confess that sin before the Lord? As you're confessing your sin, maybe there is an idol in your life that you're clinging to. Maybe the idol of comfort, the idol of convenience, maybe the idol of money. Maybe you're living for the approval of others. Maybe there's anger in your heart that you're not dealing with as you're angry at God angry at self angry at others confess those sins and even ask the Lord search your heart expose some sin in this moment right now for you to confess And as we confess our sins, look, look at the rest of the psalm. Look at some of these wonderful promises. Look at verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. In other words, don't put off the confession of sin. Do it now. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. And then he turns to the Lord. And he says, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Like, like, praise the Lord right now that in your confession of sin, He becomes a hiding place for you. He delivers you. Look at verse 8, another promise. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give you counsel. I just love it. The Lord doesn't just leave us on our own to discern what is right or wrong or what to do. What does he do? Rather, he gives us instructions. He shows us the way. He says to us, this is the way. Verse 9, do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with a bit and brittle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who 
trust in the Lord, who have faith, will, will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In a sense, what the psalmist is saying is, I don't know how the Lord is going to forgive me and remove my iniquities, but I'm going to trust him that he's somehow going to do it. And who is the psalmist looking to? What was the psalmist hoping for? What was the psalmist longing for? He's longing for a savior, somebody who can take his sin and cover it and put it on himself. And as he's looking towards the savior, it stirs in him a sense of shout for joy. And we know we have that Savior, that in our confession of sin, that all of the promises that the Lord has given us, He is faithful in keeping those promises because we have a faithful Savior who will somehow take our sin upon Himself and pay it in full and satisfy the wrath of God. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to sing a song and continue in the Psalms. Lord, it would be great if we have never sinned against you. It would be great if we could not sin. How much easier life would be. How much joy would there be. And yet, Lord, the reality is that we have sinned. We have been rebellious against you. And Lord, the weight of sin sometimes crushes us. The guilt of it immobilizes us. It drains us. We feel like we have no energy and no strength for life. Every time we are trying to do the right thing, we always end up rebelling against you and Lord we confess our sins you know the sins that we're struggling with you know the idols that we're bowing down to Lord help us to openly ask for forgiveness Lord forgive us for the many times that we did not trust you Forgive us the many times that instead of turning to you, we've turned to ourselves. And Lord, I thank you that when we come to you and we ask for forgiveness, the wonderful promise that you have given us, you will not abandon us, you will not forsake us, you will not turn your back on us. Somehow you will draw near to us, somehow you will surround us and deliver us. And somehow you will take all of our sins upon yourself. And we thank you that you've done that in Jesus Christ. And may we shout for joy as we lift up your name. Our Holy Father, we thank you for the incredible mercy that you have lavished on us, that as sin increases, grace increases all the more. Lord, thank you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. So here's the question as we've read through the Psalms. How do we know that the Lord is faithful? How do we know that our sins will be forgiven? 
we look to the table. It is a physical object lesson. We are reminded of his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. And so as we we, we get ready to distribute these elements, I want you to meditate on the truth that we've just read of how the Lord loves you and cares for you, how he will not hold uh, your sin against you, how he has forgiven you and removed it from you, not because you were that awesome, but rather because of what Christ has done for you. So let's go ahead and distribute these elements and share in it together. Just think about this. The Lord who reigns, who is holy and mighty, who is sovereignly in control of everything, that when he speaks, the people tremble and the earth quakes. He loves you. And he gave himself for you. This represents his body that was broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him. This cup represents his blood that was shed for us. The new covenant we have in him. Let's drink it in remembrance of him. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love that you have for us, that you are a holy God. And yet you are loving and gracious. You are forgiving. And yet you rightfully punish sin. And Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in our place, for living a life we could not live and died a death we were supposed to die, whereby through your death you paid for all of our sins. You satisfied the wrath of God. You bought us out of the slavery and bondage of sin. You've redeemed us and reconciled us so that we can be united with our Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to look to you, to trust in you and rest in you. We thank you. We love you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. God bless.